You're listening to Classicism in Conversation, a project of the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, which is launching a new series of podcasts examining the relevance of the classical tradition today. We're excited to bring new topics to new audiences and want your feedback. Write to podcasts at classicist.org with your comments. Enjoy the show. Nothing is ever really stagnant. It's always evolving in the city. Welcome to At Home, a vicarious look at today's creatives. These are their stories of what it's like to live as a designer. You can follow along the At Home miniseries with a special photo log on classicist.org. This show is sponsored by Historical Concepts. You can find them online at historicalconcepts.com or on Instagram at historicalconcepts. My name is Michael Geller. I'm an architect in New York with Gil Schaefer. I live in Greenwich Village. Before that, my wife and I lived in Murray Hill in a small 330 square foot studio. When we were looking for apartments, we idealized in our head an area that would be our preferred neighborhood streets to find an apartment. And we looked from Broadway to 7th Ave and from Union Square down to Washington Square, that's Swath. It's very residential, but was close to many different neighborhoods and destinations in Lower Manhattan. Lower Fifth there, it has a very residential vibe, which for us, what we were really looking for. That's what we narrowed in on, and we got lucky that we found a place in that square. Convenient for commuting and for all the neighborhood spots to go to. I'm very attracted to the hustle and bustle that goes on, which is not for everyone. I understand when people say to me that, oh, I would never want to live in New York, I just like visiting New York. I get it. But for the reasons that a lot of people don't like, the the busyness and always something buzzing, I like that aspect of it that other people might not. So that to me is the biggest draw of New York. And then I also just love that it's probably the, the best architecture of any city in the country, classical or modern, but especially the classical buildings. I love that part of it and just always being able to walk around Manhattan or Brooklyn and seeing great buildings. It's really inspiring to surround yourself with that. I feel really privileged to live in a place like that. The city is really ephemeral and the changes that can happen to a neighborhood, in some ways it can be bad and it's a really contentious thing these days, but in some ways that vibrancy and change just shows a a living, breathing organism of a neighborhood. Now, it's easy for me to say that, to live in an area of the city in Greenwich Village that's very beautifully preserved pre-war neighborhood, and I wouldn't change anything about the neighborhood at all. It's the best example of that real, authentic New York City neighborhood from the 20s and then before. There's a certain mix when the modern and the classical buildings come together well. It shows a vibrancy to me, and I find that appealing, too. The apartment can always evolve, too. It's interesting to me thinking about apartments in New York City and uh, in, in my building from the 1920s. The number of renovations that happen to these units over the years, every time a new owner takes the place, they're probably going to do some at least minor renovation just to fix a couple things the way they want it to. Nothing is ever really stagnant. It's always evolving in the city. When we moved into our current apartment, we were getting an upgrade in a lot of ways because we added a door and about 100 square feet to our 500 square foot one bedroom. 
I did a gut reno of the current place. It was in pretty rough shape when we found it, which was something that was appealing to me. We had been apartment hunting, my wife and I, for four months. When we walked into our current apartment, to me, it looked perfect. Everything I wanted, it had lots of work to be done in the bathroom and the kitchen. It was in pretty rough shape. The current tenant, though, had strewn about trash, pizza boxes and beer bottles and stuff. We walked in there and I was immediately looking past all the little trash and junk because I was like, oh, this place has great bones and it's awesome. But my wife was like, did you see all the garbage? He was trying to make it seem like a bad apartment. He wanted to try to buy it too. It was all a tactic. Maybe it made some people reconsider the apartment and we ended up getting it. We definitely didn't want to live in the apartment while the renovation was happening, if we could help it. And it worked out timing-wise with our studio rental. We were able to renovate before we moved in. The contractor said it was going to take three months. It took nine. I learned that lesson on my own the hard way. There's challenges with apartments in New York City, co-ops and boards and all these things that are just part of the territory. I was very excited because I designed the renovation and when construction was going on, I was there every single day checking in with the contractor, seeing the progress that had been made. I would go on my lunch break from work while the guys were working and just check it out. I was excited the whole time, but definitely by the end when the month delays kept piling up, we're just sort of looking at each other being, man, we got to get in. When the renovation was about to happen, I talked to a couple contractor contacts in the city that I knew, they're doing much higher and larger apartment work than what I had to offer. I really didn't expect to be able to leverage any of those contacts into a contractor directly. But the contact I ended up getting was the guy who cuts my hair had this contract that had just finished work on his salon. He said, this guy, Russ, is great. I'll give you his number. And I talked to him and things worked out. It ended up being a good contact to find him. It opened my eyes to the different levels of contracting in the New York City world. At work, we really operate with some of the, the higher-end, larger contracts in the city. You have to calibrate how you give instruction and what the expectation is for how the work gets done if it's in a nonlinear way, because it's just a different process. But everyone is super earnest, and it worked out really well. And this contractor, Russ Cherkizov, was really willing to make things the way I could envision them. And that was really helpful to have someone that was willing to play ball and fix the mistakes that happen. Every day I see a new thing that I missed or I forgot to consider when I was designing it. That's its whole idea in itself, living in a place you designed. Things were mostly smooth, but the one thing that didn't work out so well, and it's a lesson that I learned about antique door hardware. One of the first things that I found for the design of the new apartment was these 10 or 12 beautiful antique doorknobs from Old Good Things. It's a great store and the, the knobs are great. They really set the tone perfectly for the apartment with 1850s Greek revival doorknobs from somewhere in New Jersey, I think. What I found is Russ really wasn't able to find the way to attach those doorknobs onto the doors. By the time we moved in, there was no doorknobs at all on any of the doors and we had tape temporarily allowing us to open and close some doors here and there. And it was a while before we got them installed. But once we did, it was great. And things were a little bit easier to operate. The general layout of the apartment is a classic one bedroom where you walk in to a vestibule with a small kitchen immediately on your left. 
Then you progress through a living room, a hallway with a bath, and then the bedroom at the end of the apartment. The layout was amazing. The thing is, a lot of times the layout is right there. It's what the space wants to be. There's always maybe a best layout. And with a small apartment, there are only so many ways to try it out, right? The one thing I changed was a really narrow pinched entry to the kitchen off of the vestibule that I really wanted to close up and then open up the wall between the kitchen and the living room to have a more modern connection between your living space and your kitchen, which is pretty typical these days. Otherwise, one of the aspects of the apartment that really attracted me right off the bat was a small picture rail that wrapped the upper parts of the walls of the main rooms, this Greek picture rail, the remaining original detail. And it really set the tone for this Grecian 20s aesthetic with the decor and the architecture. The apartment is 495 square feet. The kitchen itself is pretty small and it's narrow and long-ish. When I created the cabinetry layout in the kitchen, it was a pretty straightforward task because there was really just only one layout that maximized the square footage, an L-shaped kitchen with the sink at the far end. The primary room of the apartment is the living room. There's a cased opening that was opened to the living room from the kitchen. That cased opening, along with all the other doors and cased openings in the apartment, received a door casing surround that had a classical profile to it. That was something that I was really keen on getting. Even though it's a really small casing, two and a half inches, I really wanted to get the sculptural effect of a backband on the casing. That begins to push the architecture in a definitively classical way, but I definitely wanted to contrast that classical architecture with a more modern treatment of the decorating. In the living room, for example, there's the classical architectural trim wrapping the crown with the picture rail and the casings along with the baseboard that had a classical profile. But then the furnishings, there's a modern 1970s era glass coffee table with brass supports below, and then the modern Plismos Rob's John Gibbings chair, and the Saarinen tulip table and Breuer chairs. All of that is offsetting a classical architecture on the walls. There's a nice harmony that you can find between classical and modern furniture pieces where even though something might be more streamlined, there's still a precision to the design that is representative of the quality level of a modern or a traditional piece. That's something that I always looked for is that if it really had that sense of design to it, whether modern or classical, it can always pair with each other. The kitchen is tiny. It's eight feet by four feet. So you really just have enough room for yourself to walk and shuffle side to side a little bit. I have everything that I need right there, but it's very tight. I totally flip-flopped the arrangement of the kitchen. I had the wall between the living room and the kitchen free. I could try to open up a case opening. It was definitely a wholesale rerouting of piping and ripping out everything that was excellent in there. I was hoping to be able to really open up the wall between the kitchen and living room, maybe get a five-foot wide opening or just something that made it feel like two spaces were one. But there was existing and dead piping in the walls that were running between floors, but we weren't able to chop through them. There's some fire danger. I'm not sure what it was. They had to be preserved as it was. We were only able to have a case opening that was two and a half feet wide. That was what we were examining for how big of an opening we could get between the two rooms. My wife, Tess, does a lot of the cooking. She's a great cook. And she loves cooking in there. We wanted to have the space be functional, even though it was going to be small. You can't move around a ton in there, but it's definitely a spot that two people can work in side by side. 
one person's at the stove and one person's chopping off to the left. It's totally a maximized kitchen layout that gets the most out of the small apartment kitchens that are all over the place out here. Having the opening totally allows the flow to be physically connected between the living room and the kitchen, which is great. But starting with cooking, when there's two people in there, having that space open right behind you allows the kitchen to feel larger than it is. Whereas if we didn't move the opening to that wall, it would have just felt like a three-sided space completely. It's a little bit of a, a relief for the space in the kitchen. Being able to connect with guests that would be in the living room right outside the kitchen, it's nice to just be able to look right over your shoulder and be a part of the conversation. Whereas just even though the opening only moved about three feet and to a different wall, it makes a drastic change in how connected you feel to the rest of what's going on. If you're looking at a space, always think about what if the layout changed slightly and what benefits might there be from that, because you never know. The layout of our living room here was pretty straightforward because of the size of the place and the way the windows were centered on one wall about another. That central axis, combined with the size of the apartment, really forced our hand for where the TV would be on the wall above the console and opposite the windows. It's a great spot for the TV and everyone watches TV these days. It's something you have to contend with. And we didn't have many options for potentially hiding the TV and still keeping the layout that we wanted for our furniture. We didn't let the TV placement dictate our furniture. In some ways, we just made the best we could with where the TV went. When all these apartments and houses get photographed for these magazines, the TV is one inch outside the frame. It's always right there. There's only so much you can do sometimes, and you have to make sure it's a comfortable way to live. The bathroom is in a really nice spot in the apartment between the bedroom and the living room, which was something that I was really keen to not sacrifice layout-wise because it's just nice for guests to not have to traipse through your bedroom if you can help it. That was something I was always looking for in the apartments. This bathroom is a complete gut renovation. Everything in there was really shoddy, and I was hoping that there would be some salvageable pieces, but once we got into it, the fittings were nice and, and old, but they were just not salvageable. We went with all new fixtures and fittings. The one thing that I was keen to do architecturally was that I treated all the walls with a white subway tile. And I really wanted to have a fully tiled wall experience in the bathroom. It just feels a lot like a bathroom to have that treatment. And with the floors, I wanted to change the scale for the tiles with a, a small penny round tiles. Definitely a neutral, white, clean palette. We used Caesar stone at the kitchen, but for the jams of the window in shower and tub. I lined it with Caesar stone, and this was actually something that is honestly a source of pride for how the design turned out and it's such a small insignificant detail all of the courses of tiles for the entire bathroom coordinate neatly with their neighbors the bottom of the window sill is lining up with a tile joint and i was able to work through all of these specific details with the workers on site the first time that it happened, it was close to being the alignments that I was hoping for, but I was able to draw on the wall and show them point to physically the spots that needed to line up. It was really helpful to be able to physically draw right there in front of them because that was an easier way to convey the message. They were totally down to do the details, which was really nice and helpful. It was nice to see with the person doing the work when they finally clicked in their head about what the design was and you see them go, oh, okay, great. 
I know exactly how to do this now. I'll just go take it from there. And then next time you come back, it was done perfectly. The goal was to make this bathroom seem like it was always there. This is the bathroom that this apartment building could have had. This really would have fit right in. Uh, I decided that I wanted to treat the apartment in a way that could have been real when it was built in the 1920s. The bones of the apartment are set up already to promote that look. It just plays into what the apartment wanted to be in a certain way, especially in the, the extent that I found it. If the apartment maybe had way less of its existing detailing that was still there, maybe you don't feel bad about really changing layouts and organizing, trying to not make the space feel like it was old, but that ours was set up nicely to do it. I'm glad we did. I had a definite vision for what I was hoping to make. My wife really had input with the bedroom. She, in the bedroom, really wanted to, to be soft and feminine. We were able to work together and find nice pieces that fit what she wanted. I was architect for myself out in the other areas, and then I was architect for her in the bedroom and trying to make that how she wanted it. It was a fun experience to do both at the same time. You always got to make sure your wife is happy with how things are going. It was definitely a back and forth process. In the bedroom, she wanted things to feel soft and comfortable. That idea extended through the bedding and even to the curtains that have a sag in the middle and there's some definite texture to them in a nice shade of purple. This is a room that the decorating really conveyed a different image than what was out in the living room, which is one of more femininity and comfort. We have a really small strip of space on both walls, but we put a gallery wall of different eclectic pieces of art that we found at thrift shops or wherever. It was a nice way to fill up these small strips of space above our bed. We have a collage that was made by an artist we found in the Paris flea markets. He made these really amazing collages of 1920s archaeological imagery with this psychedelic modern background. My wife and I really fell in love with them when we saw them, and it complemented our apartment's vibe really well. They're some of our favorite pieces. Each of us had a few small paintings that we brought from previous lives. We already had a little bit of some small stuff to put on the walls. One that was more thought through from the beginning when I was designing everything is this large 1970s super graphic silk screen print. I stumbled upon it on this website, Cherish. They sell a lot of vintage pieces. I was completely trawling the entirety of this site multiple times a day, looking through tons of things, just flipping and flipping and flipping. Eventually, I stumbled upon this jumbo silk screen print, and I really wanted something big and have one spot where the art was not just small paintings or small photos, but just something larger and more commanding. This large blue and white super graphic of a streamlined intertwined knot is what we found. It fit perfectly. I wanted it to be above the bar cart in the living room. There's a console table underneath our TV on center in the living room. I've designed some furniture in the past, and I wanted to try my hand at designing a console table to fit in this specific spot in the living room. I was going to try to continue the theme that I was thinking of the apartment in, which was the classical 1920s deco modernity and streamlined forms with the Greek classical shapes. I came up with a console table with legs of a horse stylized to be very modern and flat, like you might find in the Villa Carolos. 
which was the reference point for the furniture here. I tried to think of vignettes on the walls and with pieces of furniture. I'm constantly trying to think more like a decorator or think looser and push away from some of the architect. It's something that anyone could absolutely do. Whenever you're flipping through a glossy magazine and you're admiring what you're seeing, decorating or architecture-wise, think about what that room would look like outside the frame and think about how the pieces that you see there and how they come together. For me, I'd learned a lot when I was looking through the glossy magazines and studying how those images were composed and the layers of the decorating went on top of each other. Anyone can do that though, just by taking your glossy magazines and just analyzing them a little bit. Those are things that everyone has in their apartment. It's just about how you consider things and arrange them. The art and the decor was something that I tried to focus on in conjunction with the architecture when I was designing it all from scratch, which was definitely a luxury to have during the design. The console table that I designed and had built to my exact specifications was a really cool thing and that's something I'm going to have forever. I fell in love with that silkscreen and it's something that I can have anywhere in a prominent spot and it's just a really cool piece. Definitely really fond of those two over anything else. That's been a really special thing to have an apartment that's all your own with you and your spouse. It's been a, a real blessing in that regard. We were able to shape the place to be what we wanted it to be. A couple more hundred square feet, that would be the kicker. Because everything else, we did it just the way we wanted it. The whole apartment, we're really happy with how it turned out. Making the most out of our 495 square feet. Many thanks to our sponsor, Historical Concepts. Find them online at historicalconcepts.com or on Instagram at historicalconcepts. At Home is a production of the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art, a national nonprofit promoting the practice, understanding, and appreciation of classical design. To become a member and learn about additional programming, visit classicist.org. This episode was produced by Justin Kegley and Kellen Krauss and edited by Kellen Krauss, Molly Wolforth, and Justin Kegley. <laughs>